on the podcast before, we've talked about having a morning ritual, but I have a question for you guys. Do you have like an after work ritual? I'll start with you, Troy. Do you have an after work ritual? Uh, usually because my shifts are ending somewhere between 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. It's come home, go to sleep, <laughs> drive, drive home, sleep. Sure. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, do you have a after work ritual? You know, when five o'clock strikes or whenever your work day is done, like a little something you do before you go on to the rest of your evening? Uh, not currently, but it sure sounds like a nice idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, this got a little shocking. At one point, a lot of men had an after work ritual, but they didn't even realize that it was a ritual and it was actually benefiting them. And then some of those men lost that ritual and it impacted their emotional health. And that's what we're going to talk about today is that after work ritual Mm. and the importance of it. And what was the one that some men lost? This is who cares about men's health with information, inspiration, and a different interpretation of men's health. My name is Scott. I bring the BS, the MD to my BS, Dr. Troy Madsen. Scott, I'm here and I'm so excited to hear about this ritual because I I want to practice it. This sounds interesting. He's a full on I care about my health convert now. (laughs) Love having him on the show. Welcome, Mitch. Hey there. I love the mystery. I'm excited to hear what this like secret ritual that everyone lost was. Yeah, well, not everyone, but a lot of people did because of COVID. They lost this after work ritual. And that ritual was... And even before work, it was their commute. Oh, okay. The commute to yeah. and from work and COVID changed yeah. all that. And sure. afterwards, you would see stories in the media about people talking about how they missed their commute to and from work. Interesting. And I, and I was one of those people. And, and for you me, you actually missed it then. Yes, really? I did. Oh. oh, wow. Okay. So for me, it was a transition from work life to home life or home life to work life. It was my time. Right. I drove. So I was by myself and I could listen to music. I could listen to podcasts. I could sing at full volume. I could narrate what other people were saying when they were talking on their phones in the car next to me. I make up little stories about them. (laughs) (laughs) Or I could just sit in my car in beautiful, glorious silence. Right. Right. There so is said for that, yeah, yeah. So, tr- Mitch, did you have a commute before COVID and after? No, and do you miss it? Like, where are you at on this commute oh. ritual? Uh, so I was, I've been very like kind of blessed to not. I've, I mean, I've been working from home since even before the pandemic. I mean, majority of my work was at home editing media, and the only time I would commute is to go teach classes at Slick or whatever. I don't like commuting. So it was never really a ritual for me in my adult life. And so I really like last semester, Slick gave me uh, some classes that were quite a ways away and I had to commute twice a week and I hate it. I can't. I absolutely it's not part of my my enjoyment of life right now. So (laughs) Troy, how about you? Do you commute? Well, yeah, you commute because you have to drive it in the ER. Yeah. Um, So that really never changed for you. So you, that piece didn't change. Yeah, yeah. But I, I will say the one thing that did change because, you know, being in academics, I'm also doing research and lectures and that, uh, the big thing that did change is I was doing all these lectures remotely and joining lectures remotely. So I missed the commute from there saying that I, I can't say I, I missed the commute, but, <laughs> right. oh, yeah, <laughs> but, sure. but the thing I did miss was that separation of work from home where it was just, you know, it was kind of surreal and still is a little bit when we do the remote meetings and lectures to, you know, 
be in my home life and then within seconds suddenly be with all of my colleagues and feel like I have to act a little differently than I would around the house. So that's so maybe in that sense, I missed it. Uh, just that separation. And like you said, Scott, you do have that time in the car that puts, you know, I think puts you in more of that work mindset where you then miss that when you're just jumping on your computer and transitioning quickly from home life. So I think I have missed that piece of it. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about like during the day, those transitions. I think that could be another podcast or actually maybe even what we learn here could be applied to that as well. But um, you know, and I know that there's plenty of people like Mitch that just don't like commuting, right? Like, I think after we've done this for a while, we've seen the benefit of not commuting for some people. They had very long commutes. It was an hour and a half out of their day that mm-hmm. now they get back, right? To, to do what they want to concentrate on their health or their family or whatever. But, but what changed is they may have lost that commute and they may have loved that, but they also lost that ritual. And according to the article, the psychological benefits of commuting to work which you can find in real clear science, the commute was for many that transition. And without that, people miss that transition. I think that's what they were talking about when they say they miss a commute. That would be for me too, you know, going to and coming from work. And if you don't have that transition, research has shown that that can lead to stress and burnout. Any, any thoughts on that? Meaning like, because you don't have that, 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 that commute to that, I mean, let me start. Any thoughts on that, Troy? Uh, yeah, Scott, I think it's a time kind of like you described where you're just under no obligation to do anything. All you have to do is drive and it's pretty mindless because you've done it hundreds or thousands of times and you can think, you can process things, you cannot think. For me, I like to listen to audiobooks. It's the one time during the day where I can just listen to audiobooks completely uninterrupted. So I'm I'm sure there is psychological benefit to that. You know, there is the stress of the commute sometimes when you're in that stop and go traffic. And I, I think that's probably a little detrimental to, to, to mental health sometimes. Right. Uh, but that being said, just the fact that you know the route, you're kind of on autopilot. You can just kind of think and it's your time. And you don't really have to do anything else. You're under no obligation to family, to work. It's just, you know, it's your time and it's built in and it's kind of guilt-free because you have to do it. You're right. It is an active thing a lot of the times, but you are on autopilot because it's such a routine for you that really, and that's, that's the benefit of routines, right? Is that your brain doesn't have to actively be engaged all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So exactly. Well, I find that interesting because like I love road trips and like I just took one a couple weeks ago and like I listen to audiobooks. I don't have anywhere to be like I really do appreciate and find myself going into a really cool like Zen state road tripping. Yeah, but I do not get that same thing from commuting. <laughs> I am stressed about what I have to do when I get there. I'm yeah. stressed about all the other drivers on the road. Like I have a time that I have to be there and whatever. It, yeah, it's it's interesting that the same I experience the same benefits, but it's not with commuting. I'll say, you know, since we're talking about it again, I didn't really miss the commute so much just because I still had it with the ER, but I do enjoy it. Um, and and maybe it's for me, you know, more with the ER. My my commutes generally during kind of off hours when roads aren't as busy and it is kind of, you know, time where I can just de- definitely coming home. I think that's the part I really appreciate because if I had to walk out of the ER and, you know, two minutes later be home, it just would not be a good transition. Like I just need that time just to kind of detox, just to kind of let it go, maybe process things a little bit, get back into that home mindset. So I think that's the part of the commute that return home that I really appreciate. 
Yeah. You know, the thing is, though, um, just like so many things in our life we're unaware of, uh, I think a lot of us didn't realize how beneficial that commute was, right? And it's not the act of driving, but it's just kind of that that time. And scientists, researchers have a name for that. It's called liminal space, L-I-M-I-N-A-L, liminal oh, space. Oh, sure. And that is free time from both work and home roles. You don't have either one of those roles on you at that point. It's like that buffer zone, right? And when researchers talk about this liminal space, and when researchers talk about liminal space, it serves two purposes, detachment and recovery. Mm. So the first is psychological detachment from the work role. So you're disengaging from the demands of work, whatever happened there. The other thing is the psychological recovery from work, rebuilding your mental energy used during work. Those are the two benefits you get during that liminal space that a lot of people get on uh, on their commute. And it doesn't matter how you get or go home. If you're in the car, on the train, the subway, whatever, you get those benefits. Yeah. And it's interesting to think about that because I'm just kind of thinking through the day and when else do you really have that time? And the only other time I can think where you kind of have that is maybe as you're winding down for bed where, you know, maybe you don't have the, you're not so much dealing with home responsibilities. You've addressed all those things. You're not hopefully thinking about work. You might be, but uh, you're certainly not at work. You're not meeting those demands. So that's probably the only other time where you really get that, like maybe that, you know, 10, 15 minutes as you're winding down. But during the course of the day, there, there probably aren't a lot of other times. So what does that mean? That means that maybe we should consider building that into our lives. Yeah. Cause what I keep thinking about is like during the eight, like my time during the COVID pandemic, um, I suddenly got a full time, uh, at remote job during the COVID pandemic. And there was something about like being on the clock and then you're then off the clock, but you're in the same space and you're looking at the same screens and you're looking at the same whatever. And I just remember how like, tiring and like worn out I would feel because it felt like it's the same day over and over again it's the same experience there's no no breaks to any of it and so if I was in if I was feeling stressed at work I would continue to be stressed you know and so it's it's it, it is interesting because I think I you know without reading the research or anything like that at the time I I I did find myself trying to find ways to build that kind of stuff in yeah. Yeah. And it's and the other piece of it, too, is I, I think, again, that kind of that work home separation. I think one of the challenges is, you know, you're a different person when you're at home. You're more relaxed. Your guard's down. But that transition well, is kind of like maybe you are. <laughs> <laughs> you're not relaxed at home. Your guard's up. Uh, you know, hopefully your, your guard's down and you're relaxed. But yeah, I am. <laughs> but I think there's a flip side to that when you are quickly transitioning to work tasks particularly email, I think there is a possibility of sometimes sending emails you, you wouldn't send otherwise, or, you know, or, or I, I can't say I've said anything necessarily on a zoom meeting that I, that I wouldn't say otherwise, but I, I think it's a little bit more challenging where you don't have that transition to, to transition into work mode and think, okay, I'm going into work. I'm now my work person. And, you know, we all are different people at work in at least certain ways than we are at home. Um, and, uh, but I found that I probably need to be a little more, I found I am a little more attentive to that in terms of just being careful about, you know, maybe not being so unfiltered as I might be at home So <laughs> sure. in speaking about work or having conversations about work topics. So I think the thing that we can take away from this is we can be mindful about creating these transition zones. You know, mm -hmm. for example, if you don't commute anymore, 
or let's say your commute doesn't provide the recovery you need, uh, the researchers did discover that longer commutes often lead to higher levels of detachment and recovery, but stressful commutes, less detachment and recovery. So if you're getting home and you're still exhausted, you know, maybe even a, an additional ritual at home might be a good idea. Mm. So how do you create your own liminal space if it's not built into your routine? It's not something you have to do because you had to drive to work and drive home at one point. So the first thing is be mindful of the benefit of liminal space. And I think we made that point. And what you want to try to do is create an opportunity to relax as much as possible. You want to try to let the workday go. Don't ruminate on things that happened. I think Troy talked about processing. I don't know. What do you mean by that? Are you letting the workday go by processing? Or are you ruminating? I, I'm curious to hear what that looked like for you there, if that goes contrary to this advice. Um, for me, a lot of it is thinking about interactions I may have had, which may not have been like very positive interactions and maybe thinking about it and thinking, well, what happened there exactly? Uh, unfortunately, in the ER, those ap- interactions happen on a regular basis. So a lot of it is kind of thinking, like, okay, did I say something wrong there? What happened there exactly? Or a, a lot of it also is just saying, hey, that's just kind of what happens in the ER and I just need to let it go. And I cannot bring this home with me, whatever emotional response or, you know, whatever feelings I may have. So I think, I think there's a certain amount of, uh, just kind of thinking through what I'm feeling at that moment and thinking what may have led to that. And then hopefully letting that go and not taking that home with me. Yeah, that that kind of sounds like psychological detachment. You're disengaging from that that demand at work. You're right. trying to disconnect from it. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Trying to disconnect or make sense of it. Uh, you know, rationalize it a little bit. Think through things. Maybe think how I could approach things differently. So, so not so much compartmentalizing, but you know, there's maybe a component of that. But hopefully, processing through it a little more and taking something constructive from it, or like you said, just letting it go altogether. Yeah. And mindfully doing that. Otherwise it'll kind of stick with you and it'll be in your personal life. So um, the researchers say, be mindful of it, create an opportunity to relax as much as possible. Try to let that work day go. Um, Music and podcasts are kind of the default. Mitch talked about those, right? But I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the easiest thing to do in the car. Sure. That doesn't mean that's the only way that you can uh, engage in um, you know, letting go of your day, the detachment and the recovery aspects of it. The researchers suggested maybe even talking to a friend on the way home. This was interesting. Take the scenic route home to avoid a, a stressful commute. So maybe you lose five or 10 minutes, but maybe you minimize the uh, stressful commute. So then you can maximize more. Oh, interesting. Your recovery, right? And for me, I've been very fortunate. I've had both. I've had rough commutes and I've had commutes where I drive through lovely neighborhoods. And mm-hmm. I think you both know which one's nicer, right? Right. right. Yeah. Well, so that, that's interesting, I guess, to me, because I'm so time focused sometimes. It's just like, uh, it's a super terrible commute. Like, let's just get through this. Like, let's just, yeah, it might, I might have to sit on the freeway for a little bit longer, but let's, you know, just get home, get home, get home. But like this idea of like, Hey, let's treat the commute not as. You know, a, a time sensitive activity. And instead of something that you get to take some time to yourself yeah. by yourself, you know, that's an interesting perspective I didn't have before. Yeah. yeah. There'll probably be some people that are going to now take five hours to get home. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Sure>. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But there's a lot to be said for just taking your time and trying to enjoy it, not being stressed, you know, yeah. not feeling like, oh, I left late and, and I'm doing this every day. And, 
um, you know, and giving yourself a buffer there to get there. So I think, mm. I think that definitely helps with that. You know, and that's a double benefit, right? Not only you're reducing that stress, but then you're maximizing your ability to get that, uh, that liminal space, you know? Yeah. Um, so other ways, like let's pretend somebody does work at home or they have a, you know, a rough commute and they get home and they've decided they, they're going to take five or 10 minutes. Like, what are some other ways? You know, we don't always have to think about music and podcasting. Do you have any thoughts? Uh, a couple things, exercise, you know, especially stuff where it's not changing a lot of tasks or doing a lot of things differently. Just exercise. It's fairly routine. Again, running, love to talk about running, sure. but try to avoid talking about it too much. <laughs> but, uh, you know, running for me provides a lot of that where it's like I'm engaged in an activity, but I'm just kind of doing the same route I've done before. And it gives me that time to process things. Uh, the other thing you may not think about a whole lot is just like fairly straightforward cleaning tasks, like vacuuming, oh, know, yeah. something like that. You know, you just kind of vacuum or you're, you're dusting around the house, you know, whatever it might be. Um, again, stuff where you just kind of engage in the task, but it's pretty straightforward. It doesn't require a lot of thought and it allows you just to kind of let your mind wander. It's funny yeah. you mentioned that because I, cause when we were first chit chatting about this, I kept thinking like, oh man, you know, the best times that I've had liminal space was when, is oddly enough, the, uh, the mid May 5k, the who cares about Mitch's mid May 5k, cause I would run in the afternoons and I would do yeah. it after work. Oh yeah. And that felt really good. And then I think about the, uh, seven challenge thing that we did, uh, a couple, a couple new years ago where it was like, you know, you do the seven things a day and I used to read after work, I would take 10, 15 minutes to just read nonfiction. Right. And I felt really good then. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, what am I doing now? And it's, it's cleaning. Like the thing for me is I put on a murder podcast. I put on an apron because that gets my brain turned into whatever space it needs to. And I'll, nice. you know, I live alone these days. And so it's like, let's take the time to just make the space good for yourself and just listening and washing dishes or giving a quick vacuum or a sweep or whatever. Do that for like, 20 minutes and it's been extraordinarily helpful to yeah. help transition from work to home and not get burnt out. Yes. Yeah. You get That's stuff true. done, which is yeah. great. Right? Exactly. I mean, right. Who, who would think that coming home and, and maybe taking on a cleaning project right away or maybe deciding to hop into the kitchen and cook dinner right away would actually be a good thing. Mm -hmm. But if done right, it could really give you that liminal time. And it's kind yeah. of that it's the approach too. it's like it's not like, oh, man, I have to do this. It's like, hey, I'm getting to do this for myself. I get a, I get to just like write. I get to just listen to this podcast. This is for me. This is yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, similar to exercises, walking your dog. I think that's one thing, too, where it's just like, hey, I'm taking the dog out and you're engaged in a task that's helping the dog. The dog's getting out, stretching their legs and <laughs> right. and you've just got that time to think. So. Um, but yeah, I like the cleaning thing. And, and for me, again, um, I know Laura's listening to this. She's going to give me a hard time that I'm even talking about vacuuming, but I enjoy vacuuming. <laughs> really? I, I should be careful well, about saying that. Yeah. <laughs> how many, how many dogs do you have? It's good that you enjoy. Vacuuming. It's, it's probably like eight dogs. It's, yeah. It's something that should happen around here very, very frequently. <laughs> so I really should do this on a daily basis to get in my liminal space. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, there's something about vacuuming in particular, I think where, you can just kind of tune everything out and it's so mindless and you're just kind of moving around with the vacuum and, you know, you yep. know and you're contributing. Takes, and, and the thing yeah. I love about what you said, Mitch, too, is or actually was Troy that said walking the dog, right? Like that's something that has to be done. Yeah. So what yeah. a built in excuse, like somebody's going to not going to say, 
no, you can't do that. You have to do something else because it's just like that is one of the tasks or vacuuming even. Yeah. Like, like what a great excuse just to escape from everybody and, mm-hmm. uh, and do that. Those are some great ideas. Um, yeah. you know, other things I've heard actually play music. If you have some sort of a hobby, maybe engage in that hobby for 15 minutes. Um, they did mention reading Mitch, so that was good. So create that liminal space if you don't have that in your life or if you're not finding that you are recovering well after your commute. And remember, the objective is to disengage from the demands of work and rebuild mental energy. So what are the things that are going to help you do those two things? How can you maximize that? Know that that's the purpose and maybe why you missed your commute. Uh, and it's something that we need. So if you don't have a commute, you have to be mindful about building it in. Any takeaways? I was going to say one thing too, since we talked about taking the dogs for a walk. One thing Laura loves to do is take the dogs out for a treat, like just take them out for a little ride down to <laughs> the gas station and get them a beef jerky or something. And they get so excited for it. So it's kind of like her commute in a way where she just gets out and the dogs enjoy it. But Aww. anyway, takeaway for me is um, it's it's something I feel like I have with the exercise piece and certainly with the ER commute, that kind of thing. But that being said, maybe I'll try vacuuming more. Sure. So for me, I think the the thing is that I have kind of accidentally stumbled upon this stuff and just known like, hey, I got to do something to swap between work and regular life, etc. But taking the kind of mindset of make this a priority. Right. Make this something that like, you know, if you're going to help yourself along and not burn out and have more energy in the evenings, et cetera, like I'm I'm thinking I'm going to make sure I prioritize like the dishes in a cult podcast or something, you know, like that's that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. Nice. My takeaway is creating this space is important. Um, And I've experienced this firsthand during the workday. I will take 15 minutes and I'll make my tea because that's my thing now. You're going to get tired of me talking about tea and I'll go into a room where there's nobody else and it's quiet and I just breathe. I sip my tea and I just have some quiet and it's my detachment Mm. recovery time during the day. So this idea of creating space is important, but also creating it throughout the day. Um, I think another thing that's changed is for many of us, when we used to maybe go into the office, conversations with coworkers or lunch breaks were those built in things. But I find a lot of times I stack stuff back to back to back to back in my day. And maybe that's not the best thing to do. And Troy even talked about making those transitions between, you know, I'm at home, but now I've got a meeting. Maybe you have a little five minute transition if you can do it. And, you know, building those things in, not only in addition to before work starts and after work's done, but maybe even the day or even don't stack the weekends quite so tight, right? Try to maybe have some liminal space during the weekends too. So that's my takeaway. So the challenge to you, the listener, is how can you maximize your commute for detachment and recovery to help you be more present for the last part of your day and those relationships and obligations you have, or how can you work those times into your day if you don't have a commute so you are present for those things that you want to be present for? And maybe consider creating an end-of-day ritual that can create that liminal space. I mean, journaling was one we didn't even mention, right? Oh, sure. Do that at the beginning of right. the day. Why not as, as a ritual at the end of the day? That might be a way to process Do you have a way that you create liminal space in your life? If you do, or if you have any thoughts about this episode, you can reach out to us. Hello at thescoperadio.com. That's hello at thescoperadio.com. Thanks for listening and thanks for caring about men's health.